What is up, good people of Brutal Underworld? Welcome on in to the Big Tilt. My name is Chase Vernon. You guys can find me over there at FF underscore intervention. I am joined tonight by my co-host, the guy that, that missed last night and the, the complete show went into a pretty much a giant dumpster, turned into a dumpster fire, <laughs> Jacob Sanderson. You guys can find him at Jacob Sanderson over there on Twitter. Jacob, what's going on, man? I, I'm glad that you're back this week. Last week, I ended up having to go to Trophy Smack. Yeah. I ended up <laughs> going to Trophy Smack. Didn't get internet. It was it was terrible. It was a complete oh my goodness show. Gracious. Oh my god, but we made it. We gave you the right advice. We we gave the pieces that you wanted to play. Like I was like, you want to play Jarrett McKinnon in like 50% of your lineups over awesome. Isaiah Pacheco. Like, so I nailed that one. You know, you know how I do with, with these pass catching running backs. You know, I get it. But uh yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to have you back, man. It, it's gonna be a fun, fun slate. This is this is one of my slates, right? This is my favorite type of <laughs> yeah. slate. Yeah. Your favorite type of slate is when the entirety of the NFL is frozen. <laughs> And, yep. and and half the games are unplayable because they won't be able to complete a forward pass in minus 30. Oh, that's exactly my, my type of slate, man. Uh, I'm excited for <laughs> it. I It was fine earlier today. Like, so I, I walked outside. I had like a shirt on, like a T-shirt on with like. Yeah, to be clear, you pants. live in Virginia. I'm out here in, in Winnipeg. I mean, this is, we have actually identical temperatures to Cleveland right now. So, and I'm, I went outside earlier and I mean, it's not happening. There, there's, they're not going to be. They're, they're not going to be throwing the football. I am very out of focus. Oh, there we go. Oh, wait. Did it get me back yeah, in focus? You're coming, you're coming yeah. in a little bit. Yeah, if you're watching the show over there on YouTube, of course, you can check us out. You can see how I'm, I'm slightly out of focus. Jacob looks great. <laughs> looks immaculate. You know, everything looks Yeah, I'm being festive. For those that are listening on the podcast version, I am wearing a Santa hat. And I'm sitting in my mom's basement. I'm visiting back home in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. So I have the wooden background with the nice snow house for people who have followed Chase and I since the very beginning of our first show, uh, before I moved out to Vancouver, they'll, they'll recognize the snowy house. <laughs> Clearly, it, It's uh, a staple. It's a staple for any one of yeah. your shows over your first couple of years of doing this, Jacob, man. It's yeah, crazy. Absolutely. And we're getting through the end of our, our second year doing this together. So it's been fun, man. But we have a few games that we want to talk about. We, we have about four total games that we really want to dive into. Uh, there's some interesting, uh, different angles that I actually want to want to approach or I want to attack with these games. I'm very excited to do it. Jacob, are you ready to go? Let's do it. You know that I love to fade chalk. You know that I love to try and find ways to avoid playing the great matchups and go play the shitty ones. Jacob, like that's, that's what I do. Right. <laughs> um, but this week there's a, there's a matchup that you just can't fade. Uh, and, and there are different ways that you can go about it. But when you look at the, and it's Chiefs, the Browns and the saints, <laughs> the Browns and the saints, <laughs> When you look at the Chiefs and Seahawks game, like there is no way that, that you can fade this one. I, I've tried to go different routes, building lineups, you know, trying to, to give a mindset as like, hey, how can I avoid playing this game? Because everybody's going to be playing it. And, you know, honestly, like two things, right? One is I don't think it's going to be as chalky as what people are led to believe because we do have other options and other ways to get around it, such as like playing like Gardner Minshew and then just playing all these, you know, expensive guys. You know, the only really expensive dude on this slate is, is Travis Kelsey for his position, you know? Mm-hmm. Outside of that, like, I just don't see it being that heavy of chalk, but I do see it being a shootout. I, I don't know any way that we don't see it hitting the over. Like, I, I'm looking at this game as like, hey, they're going to get 50 points minimum in this one. So, Jacob, tell me a little bit about what you think in this game, and then I'll actually do a, a deep dive into it. Well, the first thing I'll note is that I, I think a, a pivot point in this game is going to be whether or not Kenneth Walker plays. And um, I, don't, I don't really know. Pete Carroll said he thinks he's going to. He didn't practice all week. And then they elevated two running backs off the practice squad today. So I, I don't like – Hopefully, by the time you're setting your lineups, you're aware. At the moment, I wouldn't even hazard a guess. Um, I know. hate Pete Carroll. I hate Pete Carroll. I hate Pete Carroll for fantasy football and especially for DFS, right? Because he tells us one thing. He's like, oh, yeah, he's going to play this week. He's looking good. He's going through the walkthroughs. Yeah, he didn't practice. But, you know, at least he's going through the walkthroughs. He looks great, right? And then they elevate two players off the practice squad like a couple hours after. And I'm like, dude, all my research is going to <laughs> – window like are you kidding me right now Pete Carroll you will give me you will single-handedly give me an aneurysm at some point in my career of of DFS you will give me an aneurysm I swear Jacob like I do not like Pete Carroll at all please just go ahead and retire 
God. So I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I don't want to talk about Walker too much because he might not play. But if he does play, I really, really enjoy him this week. Um, and same goes for Noah Fant. Honestly, he was also questionable and barely practiced. But uh, Kenneth Walker, 6,400, I think is a really interesting play because you get access to one of the best game environments. I don't think he's going to be super owned because he's going to be maybe not playing, maybe injured. Who knows? But we saw him play you know, dealing with an injury last uh, time on Thursday night, and he got entirely his full normal workload. He was even playing in comeback mode, which was interesting, where they were, you know, going into the two-minute drill, trying to come back on San Francisco. He was the one out taking all those snaps. He ended up racking up a big reception in that spot, um, you know, really saving his fantasy game. I think in this spot, you're going to be able to run on the Chiefs, and we have seen the two games in which Ken Walker has been most most active in the passing game has been the game against Tampa and the game against San Francisco when they were trailing. You know, they still use Travis Homer on the third downs, but when they do get behind, they want to keep Walker a part of the game plan. They do integrate him more into the passing game. And then without Tyler Lockett, you know, those targets have to go somewhere. Is Marquise Goodwin going to step into all of Tyler Lockett's targets? No. Is DK Metcalf going to take a bunch of them? Probably. But that's the guy in this game where you're probably looking at over 20%, 25% in small fields, maybe even pushing 30% ownership. And so I think, you know, I'm trying to look at ways, especially in a cold game with a depleted pass catching group, what are ways that Seattle's going to work? And hopefully, I think if Walker's playing, they're probably going to keep it on the ground quite a bit. Yeah, no. And, and Walker, I literally like started out this entire, like, time of research all the research that i done everything that i went into and the first line i put is kenneth walker is an absolute smash play for me this week until mm-hmm. we end up seeing the two guys elevated from the practice squad but the bigger thing for me is like kenneth walker has actually been involved in the receiving game and, and you brought up the two games in particular but he's still running routes it's been like six straight contests where he's ran at least 20 routes and last week i think he ran 31 uh correct me if i'm wrong i know that he's dealing with an ankle injury and now he's dealing with back spasms right so you know, that kind of scares me away a little bit. But I feel like the guys that are getting elevated off the practice squad is more of a precautionary effort and probably a sign that DJ Dallas is, is going to be out if he hasn't been announced out yet. Uh, the Chiefs have allowed 49 yards receiving per game and over six receptions to the running back position, not to mention uh, two receiving touchdowns over the last three games. I really love Kenneth Walker. And actually, this is kind of how I want to target this game. Instead of going with like, Patrick Mahomes, right? Because Patrick Mahomes is expensive. And then you have Juju Smith-Schuster and you have Travis Kelsey. Like, that's going to be a lot of people's chalk. If not Juju, then probably Jarek McKinnon, right? Mm-hmm. If not Kelsey, then Jarek McKinnon and, and Juju. I, I still think that we're going to see the majority of lineups go Patrick Mahomes, Juju Smith-Schuster, Travis Kelsey. I actually want to get on the other side of this, right? And, and I, of course, want to play Travis Kelsey. And I want to pair Travis Kelsey I want to pair him with Isaiah Pacheco. Like, I still like Jarrett McKinnon. I'm still going to play Jarrett McKinnon. Don't think that I'm, I'm going to fade Jarrett McKinnon, right? But when we look at, like, the, the Seahawks and how good they were from weeks one through weeks 10, right? They were dominant up against the, the running back position in terms of yards on the ground. Over the past, what, four or five games since, since week 10, uh, we've seen teams just blow like blow up the Seahawks in the middle teams have just been running all over them. I'm talking about, I think it's been almost every game over the past six or so, or five games. They've gotten the running back over a hundred yards rushing for each one of those games. And they've allowed touchdowns too. So for me, I actually kind of want to play the Pacheco role and think that the, the chiefs get up early and have an opportunity to blow out the, the Seahawks. And then they just use Pacheco to turn out the clock towards the tail end of the game. Meanwhile, I want to play Geno Smith, right? I want to mm-hmm. play Geno Smith. And I want to play Goodwin. And Goodwin's going to be played a lot in the Travis Kelsey stacks. Like, you're going to see Travis Kelsey, Goodwin, yeah, Patrick I'm, I'm okay doing that because I'm going to be playing Isaiah Pacheco. And Isaiah Pacheco probably isn't going to have barely any ownership. So, I want to roll out Goodwin. Uh, and I want to roll out Geno Smith. And then I want to roll out Kenneth Walker if he plays. If he doesn't play, this might change my my design a little bit about how I'm going about this matchup. I, I might go DK Metcalf or whatever the case is. But... I think that you can end up playing Isaiah Pacheco, Travis Kelsey, even if you want to play Juju Smith-Schuster instead of Travis Kelsey. I think that's fine because the Seahawks are absolutely brutal up against the slot, which I'll talk about here in a second. But uh, playing the Geno Smith role, Geno's not going to see, what, maybe 7%, 5 to 7% ownership, somewhere in there, I'm guessing, right? And then we end up seeing Goodwin, who's going to have high ownership. But pair him with Kenneth Walker, I don't think that these three are going to have a ton of ownership. You might have 1% of the league that plays those three guys. And with Kenneth Walker being involved in the game, you don't even need him to see all the snaps if he is hurt. Because if he touches the ball 15 times, you're probably going to see two to three big plays out of him, multiple receptions, and, and likely at least one touchdown. I think he's a smash to over 20. 
And then one, one thing I'll just quickly say is that in the event Walker doesn't play, it actually makes me like Goodwin a lot more as a play for, for this reason. I think that his ownership comes down if Walker doesn't play. Because right now, if you're doing the expensive Chiefs stack with, that involves Mahomes and Kelsey, and either you're throwing in Juju, you're throwing in McKinnon, or whatever you're doing with that yeah. stack, you kind of need a salary saver somewhere. And most people for now, that's Goodwin. But now say Kenneth Walker doesn't play, and then you may get some of that Goodwin split over to a Travis Homer or something, where now people are looking at the running back position. They can get a Seattle salary saver there, and that might take a little bit off Goodwin. Um, I think his ownership comes down a little bit if there's less Walker, which makes me more interested in playing him since he doesn't become any worse for play. In fact, he probably becomes a better play. Um, all the receiving options become a better play with Walker. We saw in the game against Carolina that they just essentially didn't try to run the ball at all um, in that game when they didn't have Kenneth Walker, and they had Travis Homer serving as a lead back. They just didn't operate the run game yeah uh, so yeah to that point you know i'm i feel good about this but i, I feel really really good about juju smith schuster in addition to, to everything we mm-hmm. talked about because the seattle seahawks right that when you look at it it's like number three defense right like up there on DraftKings, and and people are going to be scared of that number but when you break it down like they've played one good slot receiver this entire season this is week 16 jacob and they played one <laughs> decent slot receiver Right, that was Chris Godwin who got what was it? Let me see, yeah, six receptions. Game, I want to yeah, say. six for seventy-one and a touchdown. So he, I mean, it wasn't the best performance. It wasn't like game breaking or anything like that. But I mean, he he got you in there. He got you in the money. So the the second best slot receiver they've played thus far in the season is Rondell Moore. Like <laughs> that's the second best slot receiver they played all season. They haven't played anybody when they played the Lions. Aminah St. Brown was out. They have it's so absurd. I've never seen a team get all the way to week 16 and only play one okay slot receiver. It's it's crazy. And I mean, unless you're new to this show, you know, we've been talking about how Seattle defends all year, right? I mean, they've been a fun stacking team, so they're often yep. in our games. And we always talk about, you know, the boundary receivers. That's the guys that they're focusing on shutting down. They're focusing on shutting down those deep options, what they're giving up. They give up points to running backs out of the backfield, tight ends. And slot receivers, they're, they're willing to concede the middle of the field and the short areas of the field. I think Juju's a good play. And I'll also say with Juju, like, I think that Nicole Hardman, you know, is never a guy that you're super interested in playing in DFS or season long because he's so gadgety in terms of his usage that you're never really trusting it. But taking him out of the offense really has made an impact on the Kansas City Chiefs. We've seen Jarek McKinnon's usage really move up after Michael Hardman came out of the offense in those short areas. And we saw Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, he has two of his three 10-plus target games came after Michael Hardman uh, departed from the lineup. And the other one was in the game against the Tennessee Titans when they ran like 68 pass routes. So that doesn't even count. Um, in terms of his regular 10 target games that weren't in like 70 pass attempt scripts, they've come without Hardman out of the lineup. Um, that really does open up that short area of the field for him. I, I think he's a really strong play. He'll probably be, I don't know, 15% owned or whatever, but I, I'm more than happy to play him with that. I like Juju. Um, I like pretty much everyone in this game, of course, but I, I like Juju a lot. Uh, and, and I love Walker if he plays, and I like Goodwin. It, somebody in the chat is over there asking about holiday shots. I'm, I'm sipping on some Buffalo Trace right now, so I'll go ahead and take that. I will want to point out one player, right? And we brought up this player the one time he came back from injury and we said he was too expensive. We can't just run out there and play him. We, we, I took a shot on him in, in a couple of my lineups, but I feel like I have to do it again if he plays. He practiced all week. <laughs> Kadarius Tony, baby. Yeah, because second, Kadarius Tony. Oh my God. Okay. Kadarius Tony, for, for y'all that are listening, since Jacob doesn't, doesn't want to listen to me, uh, Kadarius Tony could end up coming back and they would move him into the slot. Now this would actually shave me or shake me, I should say off of the Juju Smith Schuster uh, shares. I'll probably play a little bit less Juju Smith Schuster because I want that guy who was playing in the slot. But Kadarius Tony for me is an absolute, I don't want to say smash play, but he's a very sneaky high upside guy. That's in the low price range that I think that you can roll out and, and not see any ownership on. I, I think it's very, very interesting how we could actually attack Kadarius Tony up against the Seattle Seahawks. Well, once oh. you brought up Tony, between the guy asking for the holiday shots and my co-host talking about playing Kadarius Tony, I, I couldn't help but but have to raise a glass to the young Jokas. This is for you, Kadarius. All right. Oh, cheers. let's go. Let's go, Jacob. Taking shots on the show. Chase thought I was abandoning the show. I was actually just grabbing my bottle. I was like, what am I going to talk about for the next hour? Oh, I can do this. I could talk for an hour. It's cool. <laughs> no, you have, buddy, you, you started as a solo practitioner. You'd have no concerns, but no, I was not abandoning it. I just had to take the, uh, the, the 22nd March over to my liquor cabinet. That was about it. 
<laughs> I love that, man. I love that. And you're old enough now. Good for you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> We've been podcasting for like three years. And that entire time I've been of legal drinking age. All right, Jacob. So let's go ahead and, and let's hop on to this next game. I, I think we've we've smothered the Seahawks. I think we've smothered the Chiefs. I mean, unless you want to talk about Noah Fant. I, he, he's questionable to play, I believe. If he plays, I like him just because I think that, you know, a lot of times people are going to look at one top wide receivers out of the lineup. How do those targets get dispersed? And one of the ways it can get dispersed is, you know, two other positions, right? We talked about it with potentially Walker eating up some extra targets. Maybe Fant eats up some extra routes and targets. But if he doesn't um, play, you have any interest in Will Disley? I mean, yeah, he'll probably run a lot of the routes. I mean, Colby Parkinson is probably getting... You know what? If, if Noah Fant doesn't play, that would be... There's my, like, sort of a flag plant. But my, like, MME 150 lineups, would I put this guy in, is I would put Colby Parkinson into my Geno Smith double stacks. Uh, because he's... I think he's a, he runs more of those sort of downfield routes. Yeah, he does. Uh, he plays down the I field. Can see him, I can see him running half the routes with, without Fant. Uh, he ran 16 routes last week. He only saw one target on that, but he does uh, see the high value routes. And the dude's like 6'10". So I think he's actually like 6'7", but he's a huge red zone target. Um, you know, somebody that, that could replace Tyler Lockett in the red zone potentially in terms of, of trying to see those high value touches. All right, so who do you have for your next game? All right, well, quickly before I talk about the next game, Chase is going all in on Kadarius Tony this week. Uh, but you can go all in. With the all-in package, the all-in package gets you the DFS Dominator, DFS Dominator, Dynasty Deluxe, all of player profilers, world-famous player rankings, all of their data analysis, everything that you need from player profiler, from articles, from data, from tools, everything to help you dominate your leagues, help you dominate DFS. You can do that for the stretch run to make sure that you clinch your fantasy playoffs, to make sure you can play all of these DFS slates from the main slate to the three-game slates to the holiday slates to the showdown slates, all of those things you can make sure to get for the rest of the season for the exceedingly low price of just $10. You can get $10 all-in package with Player Profiler with promo code BIGTILT. So if you want to go and dominate your leagues, your DFS, everything else, make sure to go to Player Profiler. Use promo code BIGTILT for your all-in package. Now we can talk about the next thing. All right, let's go to the next game, man. Let's let's go to this this game that I, I wanted. I think you're going to choose the one that, that I wanted, but I, I had to give you one because I took the easiest game on the slate, which is not normally what I do. So so tell me what your, your game is. All right, well, my first game I'm going to talk about is going to be the Eagles and the Cowboys. And it's a bummer, honestly, because uh, I wanted to see John Hurts out there. It's too bad we get this. There's probably three good teams in the NFC, right? And... I don't even know if the 49ers where they figure in. I mean, their quarterback is obviously it's Brock Purdy. Um, but really, there's two other elite teams, the NFC, you know, with the Cowboys and the Eagles. And it's unfortunate that we don't get to see Dak versus Jalen yet. You know, we had to see Jalen versus Cooper Rush, and now we get to see Dak versus Minshew. Uh, but the thing with that is that Minshew now at $4,800 becomes a really appealing DFS option. And it, it's yep. entirely possible that he's the most played DFS quarterback on the slate um, or at least close to it. You know, he's still got all the great weapons and AJ Brown, Devonta Smith. He's likely getting Dallas Goddard back this week. It's a really fun spot. And, you know, we know the deal with Dallas. It's Seedy. It's the running backs. It's Dak. Do you think this game's going to shoot out? Interestingly, Dallas only four and a half point favorites in this game, even with Gardner Minshew. So Vegas is telling you that they're pretty optimistic on what Minshew is able to bring to the table. Um, are you are you, are you optimistic that Minshew's going to be able to keep this thing close and keep this offense firing? So I like Minshew. I think that it's a, definitely in the realm of possibilities that that he keeps them firing. I also think that it's in the realm of possibilities that uh, they decide to not pass nearly as much as what they have in the the recent history. I'll go into that in a little bit. I, I don't want to steal your thunder on this one, so I'm going to let you you take the rein on this. But I, I do think that that Gardner Minshew can do it i just don't know if the eagles will call for it yeah so i'm kind of a little bit conflicted about this game and i think that when that happens really it's a matter of i want to try and do what the field is not doing because i think that this thing could go in multiple yes. different directions okay so first off uh the shout out jared smola tweeted this out he said that in the two starts that garter Minshew made in 2021 the eagles were minus 13 percent and minus 10 percent in pass rate over expectation yep. uh, they were minus six percent over of course, that season minus one so far this week. Now, that's something that obviously you could use to infer that they are probably going to run the ball more with Gardner Minshew than they have with Jalen Hurts. And I think that that's entirely possible. Here's my counterpoint. 
Last year, both of Minshew's starts were in the latter half of the year. And we saw last year, they opened the year very pass-heavy, and then they immediately went into a run-heavy mode, and they rode that for the rest of the year. They went and, trade for a, they went and traded for A.J. Brown, and they decided this year we're going to open up more. We're going to play more of a balanced style, right? Does that mean that that's how they're going to go back to with Minshew is the run-heavy style? Possibly. Are they going to stick with the pass-heavy style or, or the balance style they've been doing this year with Minshew? I think that's also possible because when Minshew played last year, they were already a super run-heavy team with Hurts, right? Minshew wasn't playing at the beginning of the year when they were throwing the ball more, and he hasn't played this year. I will, however, say this. Jalen Hurts scrambles a lot. Jalen Hurts often is eating about 20% of the routes run on his own scrambles each game, right? You're seeing sometimes it's 15, 20, even 30% in certain games where he's scrambling on called pass plays. That's not going to happen with Gardner Minshew. He might scramble a couple times, but for the most part, when they're dialing up a pass play with Minshew back there, he's throwing the ball. So I think to me, what I'm probably looking at with this game is I think that there is a reasonable chance that it's even a volume upgrade for some of the receiving weapons, where what if they keep their pass rate about what it's been and you eliminate the scrambles, all of a sudden we're getting potentially increased volume, probably decreased efficiency, but increased volume for the receivers in Goddard. That's a possibility. Worst case, they go a little bit more run heavy with Sanders, but you eliminate the scrambles and you kind of end up in a wash for the receivers, but with Minshew getting severely downgraded versus projections. And I think ultimately what I would rather do is if I'm attacking Philly, I'm probably doing it with the weapons, not as much with Minshew, or I'd even consider playing Miles Sanders because I I just think ultimately the the Minshew ceiling as a non-running quarterback, you know, going to have a lot of ownership on him. is not enticing enough for me to want to eat that side of it. I would probably rather play skinny stacks of this game with one of the Philly weapons, one, some one side from Dallas, or just stack the Dak side of this game and then the last thing I'll say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll pitch it back to you. I have one other take on this game that I'm going to employ, but I don't want to eat up all of, the, all of the ideas. All right, so I actually love this game, right? I love this game. I want to play this game. I want to play the Dak side, right? Like Dak Prescott is in a phenomenal position to, to absolutely smash, especially with the weapons that they have up against Philly. Uh, first off, they, they have a backup safety, I believe, that's, that's playing this week. Uh, typically, they like their safeties to try to cover the tight ends. So we're going to see Dalton Schultz one-on-one up against uh, a backup safety in a lot of cases. I'm not saying on every single play, but that's just how they end up doing it. Uh, They're very good on the outside. They try to force pressure on the inside, very similar to what we talked about with the Seahawks, but they're even better at doing it. So CeeDee Lamb for me is also a massive play who ends up taking the majority of his snaps out of the slot. I think he's going to see a ton of targets this game. He's been a difference maker. Dallas has really leaned on him pretty heavily uh, when the running game isn't working to their expectations. So I actually like playing Dak Prescott. I like playing CeeDee Lamb, and I like playing Dalton Schultz. And I don't think that those three together are going to see a ton of ownership because there are other options at tight end. I think the tight end position right here is what's going to set your, your, the difference in your lineups. A lot of people can end up going Pollard with, mm-hmm. with uh, C. Lamb and Dak Prescott. A lot of people are going to play Pollard straight out. And Ezekiel Elliott, I think we'll see a little bit of ownership because guess what? Like the, the Eagles are, were so shitty up against running backs for the majority of the season. And then they played the Commanders, right? And the Commanders literally ran the ball down their throats. A few days later, a few days later, they went out and they ended up acquiring or signing uh, Limville Joseph and Anomaly yeah. in the same day, right? They gave him the same exact contract, contract, I believe, same exact bonuses, everything. And, and we talked about it, Jacob. I said, I was yeah. like, listen, like, you can still play them for like the next, you can play running backs up against them for like the next two weeks. But once these guys get in the rotation, they figure it out. These guys are both pretty good at stopping the run. The, and it, it ends up allowing some of their other interior tackles to go on the outside during running plays. Ever since then, Jacob, these, this is the rushing yards allowed by the, the Eagles, okay? We have Aaron Jones went 12 for 43, uh, 64 yards to A.J. Dillon. Derrick Henry, 30 yards. Saquon mm-hmm. Barkley, 28 yards. Dave Montgomery got lucky last week. He had 53 rushing yards, but he ended up getting into the end zone twice because they have nobody else on that offense to, to get him in there. So Justin Fields got kind of ripped off. The fantasy playoffs and David Montgomery in the fantasy playoffs turns yeah. into prime LaDainian Tomlinson. But it still wasn't a good game rushing-wise for David Montgomery. No. He wasn't efficient. Like, they, there is no efficiency. So you talk about the Cowboys, right? They, they have this thing in their mind where they have to run the ball and first, second down on every play. Like, they, they just run it right into the right into the gut to, to establish dominance because they're men. 
Um, <laughs> you know, like, like they do it. You watch it every single time. And it, when it's not efficient, they still continue to do it because they're stubborn. I mean, look at how long it took them to get Tony Pollard involved in the offense, you know, with a significant role. So I, I believe that we're going to see a lot of third and longs from the Dallas Cowboys, right? We're going to see a lot of opportunity for Dak Prescott to, to see 12 to 15 yard, you know, chunk plays from his receivers. Uh, we could also see a different situation where Dak Prescott also throws interceptions because that's what Dak Prescott does from time to time. Well, his receivers tend to just volley them directly in the arms of the defenders. Yeah, that's it. That's Brown. it. Yeah. Yeah. Noah Brown yeah, on fire for that sir. one. But if I want to play Gardner Minshew, I like this game script anyway. It's like I like that, but pretty much I, I can. I guess I can play Tony Pollard with Garner Minshew to an extent. But if Dak Prescott goes out there and throws a bunch, bunch of interceptions, it's going to leave Garner Minshew with short field positions. You know, maybe we see three or four touchdowns from him. Outside of that, I really don't want to play Gardner Minshew all that much. I'd much rather rely on Dak Prescott actually completing these passes and getting these chunk yardage situations and fading Tony Pollard, who I think might be a little chalky, fading Ezekiel Elliott, who will see some ownership. And anybody that really plays this game that's going to be playing Gardner Minshew, they're probably going to have a ton, a ton of Tony Pollard ownership, a ton of Ezekiel Elliott. So you just avoid all that when you play Dak Prescott. On the other side of things, I want to believe in Miles Sanders. Like you brought up how, you know, Miles Sanders could end up seeing a reduced workload because of, you know, the, the game script and everything that's happening. But last week, what happened? Miles Sanders completely shit the bed. That was my that was my guy last week. I stuck by him, and I'm so pissed at how they, they ran this offense. I'm so pissed. But guess what? They came out as soon as the game ended, and they said, we fucked up. We didn't get Miles Sanders involved in the offense. We got our, our mindset that we were going to pass the ball, that we were going to try and make big plays happen, and we did not get our best player involved. Like the Miles, involved. <laughs> they didn't say the best player involved. I made that part out, but <laughs> yeah, I no, bet they, you did. They, they really did. Nick Sirianni came out and said we fucked up. We didn't. Yeah, I really Sanders enough. yeah. So yeah. I think that they they saw a glimpse of what they did in the beginning of the year last season, and they said, "Oh shit, we can't do this again. We cannot do this again. We have to get Miles Sanders involved early on in the game." I think we're going to see a massive game for Miles Sanders, and, and I still like Goddard. I can understand playing Goddard. It's going to be close to the line of scrimmage, easy for Gardner Minshew. And guess what? I like AJ Brown too because. You need to get a guy who can get the yards after the catch. And while Devonta Smith gets yards after the catch, typically it's on broken routes or, or routes that he ends up beating somebody deep and he gets a 20-yard sprint to the end zone. Meanwhile, A.J. Brown ends up breaking tackles and making these vicious plays. You know, He's just good at doing stuff with the ball in his hands. So I think that we're going to see A.J. Brown as a significant uh, player in terms of game plan. I think we're going to see him with a ton of targets this week. It's just up to him to make that happen. So I love Miles Sanders, and if I'm not playing Miles Sanders, I'm going to play A.J. Brown, but I really like the, the Dak Prescott uh, side. I like A.J. Brown, and I like Goddard because I think what we've seen with Minshew in Jacksonville, you know, is, is this a guy that his, his biggest weakness as a quarterback is, is undoubtedly arm strength, right? Yeah. This is just a guy who really struggles yep. to get the ball outside the numbers with consistency. So you look at how A.J. Brown wins. He, he wins on in-breaking routes, right? So you're Gardner Minshew is going to be able to deliver the ball to A.J. Brown. A lot of Devontae Smith's wins are outside the numbers. He's running out routes, running comebacks, running deep routes. I don't trust Gardner Minshew's ability to throw those routes consistently and accurately. I think he's going to be looking in the middle of the field. We also saw like Jalen Hurts does not check down to running backs, right? Jalen Hurts either wants to throw deep or he wants to run with the ball himself. He's not interested in checking it down to some other guy who's worse at running the ball than he is, right? That's not, that doesn't serve a purpose for him. Gardner Minshew loves checking down to the running backs. Gardner Minshew is all about checking down to the running backs with his pop gun arm and his limited mobility. So I think Miles Sanders is a smash play. I think that, you know, it's gone under the radar just how many routes he's run this year because he does not play in some of the two-minute drill uh, third down situations. But his role is very similar to a Joe Mixon in terms of he is running the majority of the routes. He's just not playing some specific situations. It's just that Joe Mixon's collecting more of those early down targets than Miles Sanders because Jalen Hurts doesn't ever throw to running backs. But Miles Sanders out there. He's running the routes. I think he's going to get some more checkdowns from Gardner Minshew this week. And he's also just going to get more carries because when they're calling these read option plays and these RPOs, Jalen Hurts... As soon as the RPO comes in, Miles Sanders is not getting the ball. Like Jalen Hurts is like, I'm either going to pull it and throw it to A.J. Brown or I'm pulling it and keeping it. Gardner Minshew is going to hand that thing off. So I, I think that Miles Sanders is probably my favorite play in this game. I, I'm glad you hit on that. I do like Ezekiel Elliott maybe a little bit more than you. I'm seeing him projected only between 5 and 7% ownership. He's been getting a ton of red zone opportunities, and he's $1,000 less than Pollard, probably going to be owned less than Pollard. And, you know, their, their roles really are more similar uh, at this point, Pollard gets a little more in the passing game, 
Ezekiel Elliott gets a little bit more of the goal line, but I think that their projections should be a little bit more uh, closer together in terms of ownership and in terms of salary. So I I don't mind Zeke in this game. And I think it's also possible, like, I'm probably on the side that the Cowboys have a better chance than the market is anticipating of just blowing the doors off of this team. You know, I don't know how good Minshew's going to be. It's possible he's ass. Right, and if they and if he's asked, then Zeke Elliott's going to get fed with twenty carries because that's what they do from for playing ahead. I think you still have to see though. You'd have to see two touchdowns from Zeke because there's no way that he's rushing oh, for hundred yards with this two touchdowns from Zeke. You definitely need two touchdowns from Zeke for sure. Yeah, it's it's he's gonna it's gonna be Dave Montgomery's stat line pretty much is what we're looking at from Zeke. Uh, but that, I mean that made you money last week. That was a that was a yeah. profitable play. So I, I do want to bring up one more thing, and then we can move on to the next game. Maybe we should take it more time because you know I love these these matchups where it's just it gets ugly, right? These slates where it just gets ugly. But I do want to bring up the fact that uh, the first what five games of 2019, 2018? Yeah, I think it was 2019 when he played with Jacksonville. Before teams knew that he had such a weak arm, before teams could predict where he was going to go with the ball because he he literally telegraphed all of his balls. He actually made DJ Chark a relevant option, and DJ Chark runs a very similar route tree to what Devonta Smith runs. I mean, they, they almost have an identical like profile in terms of how they run routes, where they run routes to. Obviously, Devonta Smith is far better, but it's still a very similar player. Yeah, and he and he made DJ Chark like a top three wide I receiver mean, he, for five he games. Just, he threw a lot of passes to DJ Chark. Like he was a lot of like he wasn't particularly efficient doing it, but he, okay. was, he was peppering him with a lot of volume for sure. Oh man, it's, I, remember, it's, I remember a lot of Chark games in. Well, in particular, I get the years confused. I think it was particularly the second year of Minshew. I remember there were so many games with DJ Chark being like 12 targets, three catches. <laughs> like, it was like, there was some. I, I was trying to pull it up. Yards. I think it was his second he had year. A really, he league. had a really good run in in the first time when Minshew took over for Nick Foles that year. Chark, Chark had a really good run early in the season, and then it kind of kind of cooled off. Yeah, it was 2019. Yeah, 2019 up- was the Chark. Yeah, I mean, there's games where he had 15 targets, but I mean, he had four, nine, five, eight, eleven, seven targets. I mean, but he was putting up like 164 yards, 146 yards. Uh, this game, 164 yards and two touchdowns from Gardner Minshew on 11 targets with eight receptions. Like that's the yeah. type of game that Devonta Smith could have, and nobody's going to be playing Devonta Smith. I don't think. I think no, a lot of people are going to be playing AJ Brown. Uh, I think we're going to see Goddard somewhat up there, but probably about equal to Devonta Smith's ownership. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about the the next game I want to discuss. Oh man, I I kind of played with like who I actually wanted to to try to go with in this this next game. Like I, I was like I was tilting really really hard as to like where I wanted to go, and I think I'm going to go with the Giants and the Vikings game because I like how these two teams they don't have a lot of um, like there's not an obvious play right outside of like Justin Jefferson yeah. and Saquon Barkley. Meanwhile, if you want to play the game, there's probably not going to be a lot of ownership in terms of like stacks on this game. Like you're going to see this game overall pretty low owned outside of those two players I just mentioned. But the Vikings, right? Like their biggest thing is that they they struggle with outside receivers, they give up touchdowns, they they give up, you know, red zone plays uh, to the to the wide receiver and then they suck up against running backs, right? Uh, the Giants are absolutely brutal. I mean, the thing about the Vikings defense is they suck. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's the thing about the Vikings defense. They suck. They suck. They suck. <laughs> yeah. the, the Giants, meanwhile, they're pretty good on defense, but they are brutal up against running backs, especially physical running backs who can get guards after after contact. I love Dalvin Cook in this game because not only does it leverage you off of the Jamar Chase like chalk, but it also like offers you an angle where the Giants will end up having to pass because essentially you're, you're guessing that the Minnesota Vikings, they go up on the Giants and the, the Vikings will – you end up running the ball pretty much just over and over and over again. And you see Dalvin Cook with, with 20 carries, uh, two touchdowns. And Jamar Chase, I mean, I'm sorry, Justin Jefferson still has a good game. Still has an okay game because he has to because there has to be a way that, that they actually win. But, I mean, Dalvin Cook just does so much for your lineups, and I don't think he's going to see any ownership. Oh, I think, I'm wrong. I think you'll see plenty. He's really? on the price at 7,200. Uh, like, if he, was, if he was closer to 8K where he's been for most of the season – then I think he would go a little bit under the radar. But I think sitting at 7,200, I mean, I think CMC will be the most, and then probably oh, Henry. Shit. No, you're, you're right. Um, I didn't realize I his price Cook, dropped. I think Cook, Barkley, and Ramondre will probably be kind of in that three to five range. Hey, the Harry Snowman is here in the chat on YouTube. You guys should come on over. I don't think he's uh, unplayable, though. I, I mean, I think he's fine. Like, I think he'll probably be around yeah. 15 to 20. I don't think he's unplayable. 
No, you're right. You're right. I ended up having the wrong uh, price in my spreadsheet. I just checked it out. Uh, but no, I still like Dalvin Cook. I'm still going to be playing Dalvin Cook in a ton of different matchups. I think he's a great play this week. And I, like I said, I think it leverages you off of the Jamar Chase chalk that should end up hitting. I want to play that. And I also would love to play or run it back with Isaiah Hodgins. And I know this is gross, right? But like, I, you know, I, I don't know if you remember, but I was a big fan of Isaiah Hodgins when he came well, out of college. I was actually a big fan of Isaiah Hodgins. When he came I back liked him more than Gabriel college. Davis at the time. Obviously, I was wrong about that. So, you know, same, same insane. yeah, I was a big Hodgins guy. Yeah, he's physical. He's big. He he is very possessive of his own ball in the red zone. As soon as that <laughs> ball goes up, that's his baby, man. He's possessive. He's okay? his own he ball. gets possessed so when when he sees his his ball in the air. He gets possessed oh, and possessive. Uh, no, so I I do think that we're going to see Isaiah Hodgins uh, easily get a, a touchdown in this one, especially if they're focused on Saquon Barkley. So I, I'd like Saquon Barkley, but I might end up fading them this week in in favor of Isaiah Hodgins because Isaiah Hodgins' efficiency has been absolutely through the roof. Every time a ball goes up, like he catches it. Like I think he's he has like possessive of it. Three, yeah, he's possessive of it. He has like three incompletions this entire season or something like that. It's it's absurd. Uh, meanwhile, he's been seeing red zone targets uh, over the past few weeks. So. They have nobody else. Darius Slayton, for me, isn't going to do it. Uh, they've been working Darius Slay in and out of the slot. It, it doesn't really matter. I mean, Slayton's the kind of guy that would feast against the Vikings in theory. I mean, that's the route tree. Yeah, if he ends up getting those deep targets and stuff. Yes, you're right. Yeah, 100%, and we've talked about that before. I feel like they're going to attack pretty heavily and put their safeties deep to make sure that they don't get beat deep in this one because they don't have any receivers, and we've seen the Vikings do this in the past. Uh, typically, they allow... Patrick Peterson and, and their other secondary options to kind of be more aggressive in terms of like the bracketed coverages that they try and perform, but they don't have any wide receivers. So they're going to be up front trying to attack, uh, trying to attack uh, Saquon Barkley. So Isaiah Hodgins for me is, is going to be one of my favorite cheaper options on this entire slate. I'm going to love playing him in lineups with Dominic Cook. I'm going to love playing him in lineups without Dominic Cook. And meanwhile, we have Bellinger, right? Bellinger is a guy that I think could end up seeing a solid amount of targets this week, but could also get that touchdown uh, when needed. So I like playing. I'm not going to play Daniel Jones. I don't think I might have like a share or two of them, but I'm going to play a lot of Isaiah Hodgins. I'm going to play a lot of Bellinger and I'm going to play a lot of Dalvin cook. I think I'm probably going to wind up, unfortunately a little bit lower on this game, just based off of, you know, what I'm, what I'm seeing in projections to every fucking New York Giants is going to be owned. And like the New York Giants really? aren't a good offense. And, and it's really just based off of, you know, the way I look at it is there's not that many games that are viable because of the weather, right? And, and it basically you end up with three games that people are excited to play, which yeah. is three we've already talked about. And what that happens then is it really condenses this playing field and you get guys that normally wouldn't be particularly highly owned plays that all of a sudden start creeping up from 2% to 5%, all of a sudden they're 10%, 15%. And, you know, if Hodgins, like, in any normal week, you can pick – a New York Giants wide receiver and they'll be 2% owned. And then if they get a good matchup, maybe one of them will be 10% owned. And then you can pick one of the others easily and play them at 2%. I mean, I, I'm, I'm expecting we could potentially see close to 10% on each of James and Hodgins and Slayton and Ballinger. And at that point, it's like, you know, it's pretty easy to see a path for the Giants to just suck ass because they're the Giants. They often suck ass on offense. And so it's, it's concerning to me. I'm just not sure how I play them. Um, I mean, I was excited to play Hodgins too, uh, you know, in, in, in theory. And if he was coming in sub five, I'd probably be really into it. Same with Slayton. I'd be into that. Um, I'm not sure that I'll get onto Giants, uh, a lot of Giants this game. I play some Saquon, you know, in lineups where I'm doing things that are, are a little bit more off the beaten path. But yeah. I just think in general, these guys are kind of riskier plays that are being shoved into a slightly higher owned position based on the lack of alternatives and games around them. Um, I will say that the, I mean, the Vikings, similar, the Giants are just not a good team for fantasy on either end, right? They play so slow. They play so run heavy. They're pretty decent on defense. Um, it's a tough spot. And the one thing that the Giants do do, do do. <laughs> we are children. Of, we are children. The one thing they are capable of uh, is that they can, they will and can rush the passer. Right. And we know that Kirk Cousins is a guy who really is not is not very good under pressure. And so I could see a potential of the Giants, you know, getting pressure on Kirk Cousins, pulling a little bit from ahead, leaning into Saquon, being really slow, being really boring. Uh, and, and ultimately, this game doesn't come anywhere near the total. I was kind of shocked by how high the under over under was in this game um, up here. 50 points. It's not 
particularly something I'd be uh, betting on going over. But ultimately, that's where I end up a little bit lower on this game, I think, than the market. Maybe a little bit lower on it than you. So let me go ahead and let me hit you with one more thing real quick before we move on from this game. I'm going to name players, and I want you right. to, to try and figure out what their similarities are. Okay, they, They've Please. all played the Giants. They've all played the Giants, and they, they've all had really good games. Okay, So CeeDee Lamb, Randall yeah. Cobb, Christian yeah. Kirk, Tyler Lockett, uh, Chris Moore, Amon Ross St. Brown, CeeDee Lamb for a second time, uh, Terry McLaurin to an extent, uh, Jahan Dotson to an extent. Are we playing Thielen? Is this what we're leading to? What? No, 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 no. I mean, well, they, they all play out of the slot, right? Right. Like, that's the majority of the snaps. Well, you know who's playing out of the slot is, is KJ Osborne. KJ Osborne is rotating with Justin Jefferson out of the slot right now. Do you know how many targets KJ Osborne got last week? Yeah, 16, I believe. He, it was insane, right? Like, absolutely absurd how many targets he got. I, 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 not saying that that he's going to do it again. I'm not going to say like, oh my God, he's going to put up 35 points. Like he's going to be a, a slate breaker. But if you need a cheaper option, like I think that KJ Osborne could actually be used. And and I haven't projected, I believe, for like 12 fantasy points this week. But I could see a world where he gets you like 18. And I think that's enough at his price. I'm good with this. He's like one of the only people in this game that won't be owned. I'm fine yeah. with it. I like I, it. I think KJ Osborne is actually like the dude. Like I, I think that it's a safe play. I, I'm good. I'm good. Harry's saying don't chase points. I would normally agree, but he's he's not he's not projecting to be owned like he's a point chasing. Like if he was coming in ten percent, like I, I mean he might have less ownership than Hodgins. We'll we'll see. So I'm I'm okay with Osborne. Yeah, and, and by the way, Harry Simmons, I know I'm I'm referencing last week, but I'm also referencing what the Giants actually allow, and that's slot receivers to, to smash. So I love Justin Jefferson, right? I'm going to play Justin Jefferson, but keep in mind that KJ Osborne does play out of the slot on, on a good percentage of his snaps, and I, I want any slot receiver up against the Giants because they're really good at stopping the guys on the outside. Well, sometimes. All right, Jacob, who's your next team? Where are we going here? All right, this will be a quick one because we – don't have a whole lot of time left in the program, but I'm going to talk about quickly the Bell, the Bees, the Bills, and the Bears heading down in blistering cold Chicago. And look, if you're considering playing this game, you're certainly going to want to keep an eye on the forecast. Uh, the winds are projecting to possibly be up towards 35 kilometers an hour. We're looking at minus kilometers. 11 Celsius. What, um, what's, what's kilometers? Uh, I'm not sure what the, I think that it would probably be, is that about 20 miles? I think it's about 35 kilometers, about 20 miles. I, I, think I, always, I always judge the opposite. I've never seen the miles. I'm always trying to convert it in my head to kilometers. Um, shout out from the great wide North. Anyhow, uh, I, I do like, I would like to get in on this game. I, it's the weather might prevent me from being able to do it, but I do think that there's a lot of elements to this game, you know, that are not that dissimilar from, Say, you know, Dallas, Philly, uh, you know, even the first game we talked about in terms of Kansas City, Seattle, where we do have the the Bears are just horrifically bad on, on defense, right? You have an easy two bring back so options <laughs> if you want to use them. We've been David Montgomery and Cole Komet. It's really the only two guys that get anything uh, on this team right now in terms of a semblance of volume. And the Bills, I mean, if, if, if the weather does not stop them entirely – the Bills can roll through this Bears team however they wish to. Uh, I mean, Josh Allen, if there's any quarterback who can deal with the elements, we've seen it now. Yes. Josh Allen throws a very, very, very viable football in wind and cold. Like, we just saw it. I expect the weather to be worse in this one for sure than it was last Saturday night. Absolutely. But he was ridiculous. He went over 30 points with ease against the Miami defense. It's also bad. But the Bears is worse. And I don't think he's going to have too much of trouble navigating the elements. The guy is a cyborg, except from outer space, to throw footballs through wind. And, you know, he's going to have <laughs> – He throws Stephon it differently. Mills. He throws it differently. He holds the ball differently. It, he went through it uh, last year with that huge snow game where he's still like yeah. 15 for 30 for 145 yards in touchdown. But that was like a – that was literally they were playing in a blizzard where the Patriots attempted three passes in that entire right. game. And he threw 30. And he was still like, you know, like Zach Wilson level good. <laughs> I mean, look, I understand that it's a long shot, so that's why I'm not going to spend a whole time talking about it. But basically, all I'm saying is you get one of the best offenses in the NFL against one of the worst defenses in the NFL, and literally no one's going to play them because of the weather. And, like, what if the weather is yes. just not quite as bad as we think? What if they just make it work? I I'm here for it. So I, I like stacking the bills on this side. And, you know, get you can get Allen, Tiggs, Knox, or Allen, 
Diggs, whoever you want to play with them. I think James Cook is viable in this game too. Whatever. Play some semblance of Bills, and, and I think you're going to be completely unique. You can do whatever the hell you want with the rest of your lineup after that, and you just hope that Josh Allen's going to make it work. And I, I think that it's a viable bet to make. I still like Justin Fields in this one. Like, I still think that he could end up running the ball a times. Like, and then play play one of the receivers and hope that they get hyper-targeted or hyper-focused on because Josh Allen is just looking that way the entire time. Like, that's how I want to play it. I want to play Justin Fields naked, butt-ass naked, just running across the screen, running across DraftKings screens, scoring you points, and winning you money. Meanwhile, I want to run it back, and I want to play, like, either Singletary, uh, James Cook, uh, or, like, Stefan Diggs. Maybe even Gabriel, Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis had a receiving touchdown in that blizzard last year. I, I think that, that this is a game to play. Jacob, real quick, unless you have anything to add to this game, I do want to just do a, a shout-out real quick to one game that I think that it, we should at least acknowledge could end up being a shootout. It could be uh, 24 to 10. It could also be 30 to 24. just depends on how the running game operates and, and how efficient they are. And that's the Bengals and Patriots. I, I understand that it, it gets a little messy and... The, the Patriots have actually been good up against the stud wide receivers. We just saw them shut down Devonta Adams. But Jamar Chase up against man coverage is a monster, right? And that's what the Patriots run. And that's what they've been running. And that's how they shut down teams. That's how they shut down wide receivers. Th- this game has me so tilted, right? Because Joe Burrow targets Jamar Chase on 33% or 34% almost of the time that he's in man coverage. He only targets them in zone coverage on 23% of the time. So he's seen a 10% increase in targets like right off the bat. It's literally almost double the, the 20% if you can't do math. So I love Jamar Chase. I love the fact that he can get open. I love that he's an athletic freak. I love that he beats man on a regular basis. However, we also know the Patriots also take away the primary option. And we could say, we could say, oh, this, this is just a, a story. We've watched this for 20 years. It's not just a storyline, guys. It's just, not just I mean, a narrative. They, they've, they've, they're not the same defensive unit that you No. We no, saw Justin, Justin Jefferson. Jefferson. Jinx. God, dude, yeah. that's so crazy. Like, dude, we, we're twins. We're pretty much twins. You're like 6'4", and I'm 5'7", but outside of that, we're twins. Uh, no, Justin Jefferson tore him apart. We've seen it happen. But like DeAndre Hopkins two weeks ago, Devonta Adams last week. I, I really like a like two different ways of going about this matchup, right? I like you to play Jamar Chase as like a solo in almost every single game that, that I'm in without Joe Burrow in it or anything like that. I also like playing Joe Burrow with just Jamar Chase, right? And doing a single stack. I also like playing Joe Murrow, Joe Burrow with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. And then running it back with Ramon J. Stevenson. But there is one other guy that I do want to point out, and that's Nelson Aguilar. He's seen a 21% target share, and it's it's so bad. Like, Jacob, I'm not kidding you. Like, it is bad, okay? He has, like, a 40% catch rate. Last week, he was targeted, like, six times and saw, like, one reception. He literally cannot catch the ball, and it is so bad. It is so brutal. But we watched the same exact thing unroll last year where, at the end of the year, Nelson Aguilar saw a primary role uh, with the Raiders, in, or maybe it was two years ago, with the Raiders and ended up, you know, melting minds and finishing out the season strong there's no Devonta Parker I believe this week again this is like a line with you it's like oh he's running the routes he's getting the targets he seeds the air yards like that's not something I like to do like this is something that, that you typically do but I do think that there is a world where when the Patriots go down because they they eventually will end up going down that Nelson Aguilar actually plays a big role in this offense so I just wanted to bring that one up real quick Sure. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't prepped to talk about that game, but I do think it's interesting. It's definitely uh, prob- probably one of the more viable games on the slate, which there are many unviable games, so I'm down with it, and uh, I agree with most of what you said there. Sounds good. Sorry sorry to uh, just bring that one on you. I just I had to talk about it, man. I Nelson Aguilar, it's a gross play. Of course I had to talk about it. All right, let's go ahead and let's pull this up, Jacob. We have... Our DraftKings. Sorry, I was looking up Kadarius Tony earlier. Let me go ahead and pull that one off. Oh, we we got to do a lineup. We got to do a lineup. If you guys see uh, a certain player that you, that you want to do in the chat, you want to see a stack with in the chat, please let us know right now. I'm gonna try and bias like an extra thirty seconds as I just talk circles around absolutely nothing. Let us see what stack you actually want to see us play. Uh, Jacob, is there a stack that that you are? like locked in on or that you would like to see the chat tell us to play i mean i kind of i think we kind of got excited about the bills but i'm, I'm open with whatever God, i'm down man. to do a DAC as well i know we both like the DAC side okay does, Harry does, Summit, does the chat wants us to do kansas city seattle we can do that too i'm not, I'm not against that at all are you okay going to the, the geno side on this 
Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with the Geno. All right, let's, let's do that. Let's do that. All right, so we're going to start out with a Geno stack. He's sitting here at 5,800, 3K less than the top option, uh, almost 3K less than the uh, than Patrick Mahomes. So I, I love going this route. This allows us to play Travis Kelsey, obviously, right, Jacob? Are you disagreeing yeah, with that at all? I'm done with that. I'm done with that. All right, sounds good. And then do you want to play Kenneth Walker with this? I mean, I know he's hurt, but do you want to at least stick I never like, I don't. I never like playing Geno and Kenneth together particularly, but I'm – You I see mean, he's running the routes. I'm, I, I mean, it's fine. I'm not – it's not something I would do, but I'm not going to, like, object to it. I, think, I mean, we got to play Metcalf, I think, with Gino. If we're playing Gino, I think we should have to play Metcalf. And then so not, whatever we do. Not good one. You want, if you want to play Gino and Kenneth and Metcalf, I'm okay with it. Okay, not good one. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely – I would be very happy with Metcalf Goodwin. I'm happy with Metcalf – well, not Fant because we're doing Kelsey. But in theory, I'd be fine with Metcalf Fant. And, and I'm okay with Metcalf Walker. I guess the only thing I would say is if we're, if we're playing for the Gino ceiling game, I can't see Metcalf not being involved in that without Lockett there. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, we saw it when, when Metcalf went out and Goodwin ended up having those two touchdowns, but I get it. But Lock- Lockett <laughs> was also a part of the team at that point, too. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. I was just messing yeah. with you. All right, so I 100% think that, that this lineup right here, this base is a phenomenal base to start out with. We have uh, two cheaper options, Juno Smith, and I guess somewhat cheap with, with Kenneth Walker, but it's not a complete steal. It puts us in a little bit of a tough spot in terms of like being able to plug in a stud in here. But Jacob, where do you want to go with this? And then as you talk, I'm going to go ahead and plug in a, a placeholder defense. Yeah, I'm going to pick another cheaper running back option to give us a little bit of salary flexibility. And I'm fine if we end up spending up on, you know, even a third running back this week. <laughs> but I'm going to play one of my favorite players on the slate. Um, I want to play Miles Sanders this week. I, I think that yep. the Dallas Cowboys defense has been quite susceptible to the run. I think that it's – you see the third rank on the OPRK there. A lot of that is because Dallas has boat raced a lot of teams. You know, like since Dak comes back, they've won a lot of games going away. But we have seen running backs be efficient against them. We saw Aaron Jones be able to have success against them in the running game. We saw Travis Etienne rush for well over five yards per carry against them last week. And Miles Sanders is really similar style back to Travis Etienne. You know, they're going to be – deploying him i think in a in a much more beneficial way for miles sanders with gardner Minshew, especially coming off the dud last week i think you're going to get really serviceable ownership for him i love that and i love you for saying that too uh i absolutely i think that this should be a a smash play for a lot of people a uh, spoiler alert. but i i know you'll hate this jacob i want to play a third running back because there's a guy fine. i'm fine with three running backs this week Totally. There's a guy that, that I want in all of my lineups you're going to hate. Do you see the name that's popping up? Oh, geez. Uh, no, I don't mind it. I'm fine with it. Jacob Dobbins. A great matchup great, against great the match. Falcons. And, and he's, he's been involved. I don't, I don't hate it. And now with Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley is a little bit more willing to, to check the ball down to the running back position. I mean, we're due. Like, yeah, we're due for still. J.K. Dobbins. What's up? It's Justice yeah, check it down to Justice Hill. <laughs> Stop. I, I, I think that Dick K. Dobbins is a good play this week. He's one of my locks of the week. I don't really want to play this game that much. Like, I don't want this that many shares. I think that J.K. Dobbins pretty much dominates this entire uh, this entire game. He probably is the one that, that – he's the only one that comes out with fantasy points. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna reverse myself here a little bit. You know, I'm gonna I'm just gonna pretend that maybe we're putting this into like a slightly smaller field or something. But I think this week, with how few viable games there are, with how much, uh, you know, how many games are are going to be completely washed out by weather circumstances, um, I don't mind playing some higher, bigger stacks in terms of the amount of players we're including within our stack. And so, in terms of, we only have forty one hundred dollars left per player, eighty one hundred dollars total. Let, let's just play Marquise Goodwin. Let's let's just add a, another Seahawk into this situation. Ooh. We're playing the quarterback, the running back. We're going to play two of the wide receivers. We're going to say this game goes for 70 points, and the other two games are okay. We have a piece of one of them with Sanders, you know, and who knows what's going to happen in some of these other games. At least with $3,900 left, which is not a lot, but hopefully you can find something that, that you like here digging in the trash. I, I got the trash. I got the trash right here. It's Isaiah Hodgins. I love the Houston defense, and that's why I put them in. Wait, oh, are they at the minimum? Oh, they're at the minimum, aren't they? Are they? No, no, no. No, you can get a lower. You can play. You can play the pan. I don't mind the Panthers. I mean, the Dolphins is not. Are the lines have not been as imposing on the road this year as they are at home? Um, I, I certainly like the Panthers better than the Eagles or the Seahawks. I kind of like this. I kind of like the Seahawks. 
I'm not playing the Seahawks defense. I'm, not, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I kind of like the Eagles. I kind of like the Eagles. I apologize. I kind of like the Eagles. Oh, well, we're playing Miles Sanders. So honestly, like I'm, I'm okay. That's a good that. stack. And, and we could see turnovers. I'm telling you, this whole defense has completely changed directions over the past few weeks in terms of like forcing, you know, third and long situations. And that's typically where, where turnovers come from. I, I, I love playing the Dallas side this week. So this makes me a little nauseous, but I think the Eagles are actually not that bad of a play with Miles Sanders in there. I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah, it, it works in our lineup. I'm down, man. I'm down. So we got Geno Smith, Kenneth Walker, Miles Sanders at the running back position. Well, Geno Smith at quarterback, Kenneth Walker, Miles Sanders at the running back position. We have DK Metcalf, Marquise Goodwin, and Isaiah Hodgins at wide receiver. We have Travis Kelsey at tight end. J.K. Dobbins in our flex, which was an outlier we didn't get to talk about. And then the D, uh, the Eagles, DST. Ready to enter it in? Let's do it. All right. Here we go enter all right <sighs> jacob we're about to get out of here we're about to to call this episode and end in week 16 is there anything is there anything else that you would like to say before we go to our locks um i, I i'm gonna just tell you that if you are feeling confident about your lock of the week whoever that is your lock your flag plan your biggest play you might want to head over to prediction strike you want to head over to prediction strike and make sure that they know what's up in terms of who you are locking in to all of your lineups because Prediction Strike is a place where you can go make your presence known, make your bets on players that you want to make sure that you're vibing with, that you need to get in on and invest in like stocks. And if you're going to head over to Prediction Strike, you're going to buy a share of a player. You want to see that player go from good to great to legendary, all the way to the Hall of Fame, all of that great stuff. You want to be able to do it with promo code UNDERWORLD. And if you make a $20 deposit, on Prediction Strike with code Underworld, you'll get a free player share. All right, let's do our uh, let's do our flight plans here. I will. I think, that, I think unfortunately we came into today um, planning to flight plan the same player, so I'm getting the five up. So I'm, I'm gonna well, have to switch no, no, mine no, up. No, 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 no. Take yours. I know who you're gonna take. Take yours because uh, you, you don't have mine. I, I already okay. pretty much came out with mine. But before I do, I want to say happy holidays to everybody. Make sure you guys give just as much as we are giving to you for these DFS slates. Make sure you give. When you have the opportunity to, uh, you know, after Christmas comes through, after your holidays come through, there's a lot of extra stuff laying around your house, right? Like take that, throw it into a box, take it down to the local, you know, charity, the, the local homeless shelter, whatever it is, and make sure that you give somebody else a happy holiday as well. If you have a chance to volunteer, if you have a chance to do anything, uh, do that. I typically like to volunteer the day after Christmas. It's like a, you know, a karma thing. Thank you for, for doing what yeah. you can. So, yeah. Time. All right. Chase. It makes me feel good inside. Now, I, I do like seeing other people, you know, actually have a smile on their face when they typically don't. A lot of people are going through things that not many people realize they're going through. Uh, it's tough, man. It, it's tough. So I want to say thank you guys for, for tuning in. Of course, make sure you guys give back. Big shout out to Harry the Snowman, who's always in here. Thank you very much. Bert Bondi, happy holiday to you. NYC86718. Shout out to you, man. Happy holidays as well. And anybody else listening to the show on YouTube, on the podcast later, happy holidays, guys, and good luck in your fantasy leagues. Jacob, I'm going to go ahead and give my guy. I'm going to go ahead and give my guy, and then I'm going to let okay. you have the, the, the floor. Sounds I good. I, I suck right. when I'm the last one to do it because then I have to go and do the <laughs> show stuff. There is a team that has allowed 100 yards rushing minimum in five of the past seven games. There's also a player that is borderline breaking out. I drafted him in best ball everywhere. Unfortunately... It hasn't worked out for me in best ball because it took him so long to get onto the field and to show his efficiency off. And that's J.K. Dobbins up against the Atlanta Falcons. This guy is an absolute monster on the ground. Uh, Tyler Huntley in the game should help out his efficiency even more so. But the bigger thing is they don't have any wide receivers. These, these corners are going to be bored out of their Sammy mind. Sammy Watkins, what do you mean? <laughs> did they go on sign Sammy Watkins? They have a yeah, they did. Oh, that's amazing. Um, no, so <laughs> I, do see, I do see a world as to where the Ravens, just run up and down the, the Atlanta Falcons. But the thing is, is running up and down the Atlanta Falcons is only going to be like 30 yards because Desmond Ritter is probably going to have like five turnovers this game in his own territory. So we're going to see J.K. Dobbins finish off this week with three touchdowns. Get J.K. Dobbins in your lineups. I don't even need him to hit 100 yards because he's going to see three touchdowns. I love that. Okay, I, uh, I kind of I think that people know where I'm going with this, but I have a lead up, okay? Last year in week 16 of the 2021 NFL DFS season. I have my best DFS week of the year. 
Uh, I finished second, and I forget what tournament, but I took second place in, in a small field uh, single entry tournament. And I did it with a running back who broke his hand in the first quarter. And had he managed to keep his hand intact in that lineup, I probably would have wound up taking first in that contest and winning double what I ended up I winning. I would never forget that. However, in week 16 of this year, I have decided that we're in the perfect spot to go back to the same well with the same player, make him the focal point of my lineups, right? Chase talked about the karma, going to the homeless shelter, right? Doing some good things for people. I want this guy to repair his wounds to me as a fantasy player. And I know this player is particularly concerned with people's fantasy teams. I'm going to take the man who's going to be getting all of the read options this week. Who's not going to have to share touches with Gardner Minshew, with Jalen Hurts. He's going to be able to plow through this Dallas defense. It's overrated against the run. You can beat them up against the run. I'm going to take Miles Sanders. I'm going to do a shot here for Miles. Locking in. Miles Sanders, $6,200. We're finishing out with a shot. Merry Christmas, Miles Sanders. I'm going to take Miles Sanders. I'm going to do a shot here for Miles. Locking in. Miles Sanders, $6,200. We're finishing out with a shot. Merry Christmas, Miles Sanders.